It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. Today's episode is inspired by a message I got on Instagram. As I say at the end of many of my episodes, I love hearing from people who listen to the show or people that I've met through social media, even though I'm not very active on there anymore, I still connect with people for the first time that maybe have been part of my online journey for many years. And that's the only thing I really like about using social media for my personal life. And I say that because I work as a consultant in social media, helping entrepreneurs and small businesses with their marketing. And it's so fascinating to look at the differences of like how I feel about social media as a whole versus how I feel about social media for myself on on that personal level. And I don't use it very much right now because it doesn't feel important, I suppose. It doesn't nourish me. I just don't feel a lot of motivation to post and the only thing right now that I consistently feel good about is talking to people, like exchanging direct messages through platforms like Instagram. That's actually my favorite part of Instagram, period. Because <laughs> it's almost like I don't know what to post or say on there. A lot of it just feels too contrived. And actually, we're in this interesting time with social media where I know I'm not the only one experience in that. And a huge trend over the last few years has been authenticity. But now people are doing performative authenticity. And so it's hard to even know when somebody's real. There's this newer app called Be Real that from my current understanding, without having deeply studied it yet, was designed to make it hard for someone to be performative Because with the app, you take a picture. You only have two minutes. There's a timer. As soon as you open it up, it gives you two minutes to take a still image. And then immediately after you take that still image, it switches to the front-facing camera to take a picture of your face. And you can't preview it. You don't know what you look like. And it's interesting because I often feel uncomfortable with that. I like the challenge. But I'm in this stage right now where I feel uncomfortable trying to do myself up and look, quote, pretty. But I also feel uncomfortable with the way that I look when I'm not done up. And that's something I've been wanting to address a lot. And going back to this Instagram direct message I got, somebody reached out to me in response to a story I posted. And the story I posted on Instagram, again, very rare for me because I'm not on there very much aside to communicate with people. I don't post that much. Let me clarify somebody reposted a clip of me speaking on a podcast and that somebody is Brad Powell. He has a website called Awesome Video Makers and a podcast that used to be called The Live Stream Show, but is now called The Standout CEO Show. And I was on the show, let's see, I think it was in 2020 or 2021. 
And that episode is titled Get Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable. So we talked a lot about this podcast and why I'm drawn to being uncomfortable. But it seems like the biggest impact that I made to Brad was talking about how I rarely wear makeup at all. But I rarely wear makeup in meetings, in recordings, in my videos anymore. And I also stopped using social media filters for the most part. And like I said, that makes me uncomfortable, but I would rather be uncomfortable and authentic than comfortable and inauthentic because just doesn't feel good to me. And I and I mean truly authentic, not this performative authenticity, but just myself. And over the years, I've been trying to better understand who am I really? Because I've been so influenced by social media, like most people, and I've been influenced by mass media. We see people like the Kardashians who are really easy to kind of point our fingers at, but they certainly impacted people in general, women, people who are female presenting, who identify as being women, somebody who feels the desire to be perceived in the way that somebody like the Kardashians or many famous people are. And I felt this like tug, discomfort with trying to be like them. I spent so much time trying to manage my weight. And right now, I'm in a stage of doing a lot of intuitive eating, if not mostly. It's interesting. I still notice the way that I eat. I still lean towards eating a low-carb diet because I feel really good eating higher fats and protein. I don't feel that great eating sugary carbohydrate foods. I also have a ton of food sensitivities and that's worth mentioning because right now I'm having a flare up in which I'm sniffling and sneezing and my stomach's upset and it it really sucks. So actually a lot of my food choices are driven by my desire to avoid feeling physically uncomfortable. Deeper understanding intuitive eating versus constantly measuring what I'm eating and not allowing myself to eat certain foods that I actually want, but denying myself them because I'm afraid I'm going to gain weight. It's interesting because since I started practicing more of this intuitive eating, I've actually found balance in my body. And my body, I don't know how much I weigh. I feel very triggered by knowing my weight, so I don't weigh myself. But my body right now, the shape of it has been very stable. And I'm heavier than I think I want to be. I'm heavier than I feel comfortable. Like when I sit down in front of this camera or when I look back of footage of videos that I shoot for this podcast or for other things, I often feel like, wow, I just wish I looked a little slimmer. I wish I looked less inflamed. I wish my arms were smaller and my face was thinner and I wish my stomach was less round. But that discomfort and those desires don't feel like they're part of me. Those feel like somebody else imposed those thoughts onto me. Because when I don't look at myself on camera, I don't have those thoughts. If I don't look in the mirror, I've actually really started avoiding looking in the mirror because I can find it triggering. When I don't look in the mirror, I just feel this like neutrality. I feel comfort and ease. And if I'm not sneezing, if I'm not just in an uncomfortable version of being bloated with gastrointestinal issues, if those aren't there, like 
if I don't have inflammation or anything, I can just find the sense of ease. And it's one of the first times in my life I've ever really felt that because I spent so much of my life controlling food. And I also feel senses of joy and pleasure around food in a wonderful way. Now, again, it's really tricky for me specifically with my food sensitivities. And this is very specific to my experience, I think. I don't know if, how many other people go through this, but I'm at my parents' house in Massachusetts and been eating very intuitively. And something set off my food sensitivities yesterday. And that's why I'm sneezing, sniffling, blowing my nose today. And my ears feel itchy. And like, I just, I feel tired. It's awful. And that's where it feels frustrating. It's like, wow, I felt like I was eating intuitively. And yet somehow it's still not the harmony, the balance, the right thing for me. And that, that I wonder too, how much is the result of all these old choices, how much of that could be like ripple effects. When I was really struggling with disordered eating, I would read how there were long-term impacts of purging, for example. There were long-term impacts of not eating, like kind of starving yourself. And at the time, it didn't matter because I thought, well, I'm getting the results that I want right now. And that's what's important to me. But all these years later, I wonder, like, did I mess up my gut biome? And I've tried to rebalance it. In fact, the way that I feel right now has inspired me to (laughs) be better about taking Athletic Greens, the AG1 powder that they're sponsoring the show. And one of the things I love about that product that has probiotics and all these other things. So I actually went through ingredient by ingredient to make sure nothing was going to set off my food sensitivities. And to my knowledge, it's not. But as I've mentioned in the ads for it, there's 75 ingredients in it. And that's really tricky for me because any one of those could be a trigger. But right before I started recording this episode, I was thinking, I'm going to walk my talk and I'm going to get back on track with taking my AG1 because... Maybe that'll help balance me out. So anyways, my aim in this episode is to be incredibly transparent about my experience and also to give some perspective for you as well. Because as I mentioned, with this episode being inspired by somebody who reached out to me on Instagram after seeing this clip from the other podcast I was on, this person asked me a question, which was... Any tips on how to feel, quote, pretty with no makeup? And I was driving at the time. I was on my road trip and I sent a voice memo back to this person and asked for some more specifics. And I haven't listened to their response yet. They also sent me back a response I'm not going to share publicly. I'm going to keep their name private. I'm going to keep their words private. But I'm going to pause this recording right now to go listen to what they said. And then I'm going to come back and give you the response that I would give directly to them. But also, I thought I might as well give that to you too. So let me take a listen to it. I just finished listening to these voice memos and I feel very moved by them. I felt incredibly moved just getting that first text-based question about how to feel pretty without wearing makeup because most people don't ask these type of questions, right? They might 
listen to a podcast episode or see something on social media and think about it. But it's really hard to be vulnerable and ask somebody for advice like this. And I really felt an energetic draw to this person and gratitude. And it just got me thinking. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I still don't feel like I have all the answers. So I am going to share a little bit more about what I heard from this message. And I'm going to share perspective, my own experiences. And then I'm also going to share some resources that I believe I've shared in other episodes, but I feel like I couldn't share them enough because I almost feel like we as human beings in this society right now need constant reminders of our worthiness. And this came up in a podcast episode I just recorded. I'm going to check what date it's scheduled to go out. I think it already published. Yes, it did. So it's with Lena Winslow. And this episode came out a few weeks ago. I highly recommend it because worthiness is a huge theme. And to hear Lena talk about worthiness amongst everything she has gone through in her life up until that time where we recorded that is really remarkable and humbling. And it's a great reminder of how many people just don't feel worthy. And I think that that is the core of so much of this, that not enoughness, that comparison trap that we get into over and over again. So this message on Instagram is related to this makeup and how this person said that they wear makeup mostly when they're with friends, even though their friends don't wear makeup. And this person's friends have said, that they don't feel the need to wear makeup, but this person still feels the need to wear makeup around them. And this person believes that these feelings stem from their mother, who makes comments about them looking prettier with makeup, who compliments them a lot when they're wearing makeup, and says that this person looks better with makeup. And first of all, I want to acknowledge anybody who can have the level of self-awareness like this. This is beautiful. And I use that word beautiful in a very different context than prettiness. Beautiful in this deep, honorable way. And I can't relate to this person's exact experience. What I can relate to is looking back on my life in terms of how I look as a woman and my experience of presenting myself as a woman and A lot of the feelings I had about my body, my size, my image, I believe have been impacted by the way that my mother has talked about me, much like this person on Instagram, as well as how my mother has talked about herself. And this takes a lot of self-awareness because it took me a long time to make these connections. I've noticed a lot on this trip spending time with my mother. I've noticed it over the last few years, hearing how my mother talks about herself a lot of times very negatively and the pressure that she puts on herself. And I've wondered how much she did that throughout my life. Has she always been that way? I think the first time I learned about makeup was through my mom. I remember she would bring back from the city where she worked. She would come home from a work day And she would have a bag of makeup. And I remember trying it on and how that felt kind of cool and empowering. I think a lot of little girls go through that. Maybe 
boys do, or maybe some boys yearn for that, but are not socially allowed to experiment with makeup. Anyone who's drawn to it, it seems intriguing. Depending on when you grew up, I didn't grow up with social media. I can't imagine what it's like these days because you have young teenagers doing makeup tutorials. I didn't have that growing up, but I had magazines and TV shows and various forms of media where I would see women presented in a certain way. I remember Britney Spears, for me, feeling so enamored by her. And I would try to do my hair the same way that she did it, my makeup. I would try to copy her moves and her music videos. And I think that that happens for many girls. It's a very common thing. And then with makeup, I remember buying this one foundation. It's probably CoverGirl or something. <laughs> my mom bought it for me. And I remember like experimenting with it. And it wasn't the right shade for my skin, I'm fairly certain. <laughs> so it just didn't look right. And I buy the cheap makeup in high school, probably college. Like they would sell makeup for a few dollars or something. So it was accessible. And my friends and I would try things out. and. I wore it a lot, I remember, in my mid to late teens. But at some point, I just lost a lot of interest. And now the only times that I wear makeup are if I go to a meeting, like I have a big meeting coming up in New York City in a few days. And I'm probably going to wear makeup for that because I do feel a more confident, which is an interesting thing to examine. This is something that came up in this message I got on social media. And I also feel like it's the standard in settings like that, which is really interesting because also like this person shared with me on Instagram, I don't wear a ton of makeup. I have the smallest little pouch of it. Literally, it fits in my hand, my makeup. I have a little bit more. It's probably expired. (laughs) I just sometime last year replenished my makeup kit and I just got the basics, which were mascara, foundation, bronzer. I really like bronzer for some reason. (laughs) This eyeshadow my friend gave me, which is really subtle. It's just a shimmering. I think it actually is a highlighter, not technically an eyeshadow. I have an eye pencil, which is my least favorite. I feel like I don't fully understand how to put it on. And eyeliner, I think can make or break your look. Because if you put it on the wrong way, it can be very unflattering, in my opinion. And I think that might be it. Basically highlight parts of my face. But I've noticed that when I put on makeup, I don't feel like myself anymore. So it's interesting to think about the confidence side of thing. If I don't feel like myself, then why am I more confident? Does that mean that I don't feel confident when I'm myself? That wouldn't be a surprise. That wouldn't be a stretch, would it? And I have another event coming up in a few weeks. I might wear makeup for that. I usually curl my hair. I started wearing my hair up almost all the time a few years ago. Every once in a while, I stop and think about that. Like, (laughs) I really don't like wearing my hair down. And I think that I just don't feel confident about it because I rarely brush my hair. I only wash my hair maybe once a week. And that's actually recommended by hairdressers. But I'll wash my hair if I'm going out. I'll wash my hair if I need to take it down out of a bun. But if I'm by myself and I have nothing business related, 
I'm just doing video stuff. Like I'll just wear my hair up and no makeup. That's comfortable to me. But when I go out to conferences, meetings, special occasions, maybe sometimes with my friends, I will put on some makeup, take down my hair, wash it, brush it, maybe curl it. Curling my hair is like the ultimate confident thing for me, which is really interesting. I don't like the way my hair looks just down and straight brushed, especially if I haven't gotten cut recently. I get my hair cut every six to nine months on average because I don't like taking care of my hair. But going back to the mother connection, my mother doesn't wear a lot of makeup frequently. And I don't have many memories of her commenting. I think if I were to wear makeup more often, I also don't see my mom that much. Usually it's when I visit out here, which is once a year. But I imagine it would have to be the whole picture for my mom to comment on me. If I was wearing my casual clothing and my hair up and I put on my natural makeup, she probably wouldn't know the difference. But if I did my hair, if I changed my clothing, then she would notice and she would comment on it. I don't know if she would say that I looked pretty or she would just like really emphasize how nice I looked. She has a fixation on hair though, which is really interesting to me. I remember many years ago, probably like five or six years ago, I did this video and I was really excited about it, about the opportunity I had to do this video project. And I sent her it and she started pointing out my hair and how long it was and how it looked raggy. And she was laughing at me. That's my experience of my mom. Like she doesn't hold back. She somehow feels extremely comfortable making fun of my appearance. Um, My weight has been the biggest thing that she's commented on though. And that has been really challenging. This is where I identify with this Instagram message because my weight's fluctuated so much throughout my life. And it's probably fluctuated because I've tried dieting so much. I mean, statistically, people gain weight back shortly after dieting and oftentimes gain more weight, I think. I could be wrong about that. I know statistically people will gain the weight back after dieting. It's really hard to keep weight off unless perhaps surgery intervenes or if you're able to keep up the diet long term. I remember reading about this when I did my ketogenic cookbook. I was researching objections to the keto diet, struggles with the keto diet, and it's something I addressed in the Q&A section of my book that it was hard to maintain eating keto and I found that interesting at the time because when I wrote the book, I had maintained the keto diet for at least a year and my body maintained the weight loss. But once I stopped doing it, I put the weight back on. I don't know if it's the diet that would be hard. And for those that are curious, like I said, I still feel very drawn to that way of eating because my body feels really good, not just because of weight loss. But it's like the inflammation. And I've noticed about my body that generally a lot of the weight that I carry is from inflammation from certain foods. And it's tough because I like some of the foods that inflame my body. (laughs) So it's a juggle. But anyways, I actually struggle with the vegan keto food options. And I'm very particular about textures and 
specific tastes. And there's a lot of vegan keto foods that I'm repulsed by (laughs) or they really mess with my stomach. So it's been hard for me to maintain vegan keto because of that. That has been my experience with it. But I bring this up because I think if you look at something like keto as a weight loss diet versus a diet that makes you feel good, those are two different things. And weight loss, I believe from research, is just so hard to maintain. And that's why intuitive eating feels appealing because if you can eat the way you just enjoy, that's probably the most sustainable way to go. But then you have to develop a confident relationship with your body. And that's the hardest part. And that's where I'm right now. And sadly, we don't just get comments from family members. We get comments from strangers these days. And I imagine I'm not the only one that fears that. Sometimes I think about how I don't post that much on social media. I haven't uploaded videos from these episodes to the Wellevator YouTube channel in over a year now. That is, in my belief, due to time and energy. Although I mentioned another sponsor of this show, Zencaster, has made it a lot easier. And I'm working my way towards uploading all the videos to get up to date and start consistently posting the videos on YouTube. But it does feel vulnerable and scary because I wonder if the people who used to watch me when I had the Eco Vegan Gal YouTube channel are going to come over to this channel and think I gained weight. And that's certainly a fear in my mind. Like there are ways in which I can hide that. For instance, if I do my hair in a more flattering way, I feel like it makes my face look different than right now. My hairs have been truly messy bun. It hasn't been washed yet, so it looks a little greasy. I have gray hair now, not that much yet, but I have gray hair. And I am wearing a shirt that's showing some skin underneath my armpits. Like if closes it, looks like extra skin. My arms, I haven't worked out in a little bit. I could go on and on. But all the things that I'm afraid of people noticing about myself. But if I'm able to do that exercise as I just did, if I take the time to be aware of that, I can ask myself, why does it matter? Truly, who cares? I'm going to pause for just a couple minutes or less <laughs> to give a shout out to the tool that has made this episode possible. If you are enjoying the high quality audio, if you enjoy seeing the video version of episodes like this over on YouTube, that is all made possible by Zencaster. And I'm shouting them out because for listeners like you, they have made a huge difference. And I think it's really important to share behind the scenes, like, how do I do things like this? How do I make it sound good? How do I edit? How do I uh, monetize with sponsors like this? I always want to be really transparent. And my favorite podcast tool for recording is Zencaster. That's Z-N-C-A-S-T-R. And if you're thinking about starting your own show, or perhaps you have a podcast and you want to take it to another level... Zencaster is one of very few tools that I wholeheartedly recommend after using it for over two years. I jumped on this platform once the pandemic started in 2020, and I haven't turned back. 
I think they're absolutely amazing and they have gotten even better recently. You can record video in 4K. You can even distribute your episodes now. You can monetize, like I said, work with sponsors. I could go on and on. I'll share more in some future episodes because Zencaster is sponsoring this show for a few months now. I want you to have the same easy experiences that I do for all my podcasting and content needs. So if you go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and enter the promo code Wellevator, you'll get 30% off your first three months of their paid platform features. You can use it for free, but I will say that the paid versions of Zencaster are really worthwhile. So again, that's Zencaster.com, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. And you're going to enter the promo code Wellevator, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. I've made it super easy so you don't have to memorize it. It's in the description of this episode on your podcast player, as well as on the show notes at Wellevator.com. If you have any questions about Zencaster, let me know. But let's get back to the episode now. I hope that you're reflecting on this in real time with me because who cares? Even with my mom. Let's go back to that because I know this was a big challenge for this Instagram comment or messenger. This is a challenge for a lot of people, mother, father, parent figure, friends, whoever, anyone in your life that you can think of being critical of your appearance. Think about them right now. One of the huge benefits of being an, an adult, although you could do this at any age, I think, is having the perspective to really (laughs) say to yourself, actually, it doesn't matter. And you have to understand that their comments towards you usually have nothing to do with you. And that's very simple as a phrase. But if you stop and kind of meditate on that, really think about it. For me with my mother, it was threatening most of my life. And it's interesting. I still have some work to do around this, something I want to address in therapy now that I'm seeing a therapist again. And just asking myself, like, why does her opinion matter to me? I wonder if it just matters because I'm used to it mattering. Because a mother, for me, was somebody who I was dependent on to take care of me, who was giving me love. But saying those things to me made her love feel conditional because it was this pressure to get her approval. And if she was commenting on those things... I worried that I would lose her approval, lose her care. And that's very threatening to you. Like any parental figure in your life, like as a child, you're depending on them as a teenager in many cases. Depends on your dynamic, but that feels like a big threat. So it feels like in our best interest to change ourselves in order to win their love. And then that same dynamic can play out in our romantic relationships. For any gender or lack of gender, sexuality, whoever you are, it is very common to feel like you need to look a certain way in order to get the love from another person. And so I think that not only is this repeated in our family lives, repeated in our friendships, because what I think can be very tricky is there's the self-work that you can do on your awareness, on your self-love and your confidence. But if the second you step into a social situation with family or friends or romantic partners, you're faced with another battle because now 
you're in the midst of their opinions about themselves and how you look. And I wonder now as an adult, how hard that was and how often I would hear messages, like I said, about my mother not liking the way that she looked and thinking to myself, wow, okay, she seems to be critical of me. She's critical of herself. And I would hear her talking to this day. She talks about other people all the time. My mother is deeply concerned about appearance. So no wonder I was, you know, no wonder I'm hard on myself. No wonder I feel almost rebellious and not wearing makeup and intuitive eating and allowing my body to get softer. But no wonder, despite that feeling comfortable for me privately, when I'm around other people, I feel uncomfortable. When I'm on camera, I feel uncomfortable. I'm able to push through that discomfort because my comfort is of utmost importance. But it also, like I said, feels a little bit rebellious. And it's interesting. I don't want to forget to share this little eye-opener, which was I saw a TikTok video. I think it was yesterday. Let me see if I can pull it up. I believe I saved it to my devices because I thought it was so insightful. So a lot of people are assuming right now, going back to the Kardashians, there's an assumption that thinness is going to be the next trend because we see the Kardashians either removing or reducing their BBLs, which have never made sense to me. I've never felt even an inkling for that. I did want to like at one point figure out an exercise that could make my butt look rounder. I have a very flat butt. And so I was like, ooh, all these girls are talking about squats. And I would like think about that when I was doing squats or various exercises. I was really into bar classes and hot yoga and hit and all that stuff for a while. And my ass never changed. So I kind of gave up over that. I, was, I probably would need surgery in order to get a rounder behind. But I'm not interested in that, right? But a lot of people are or were. And now the Kardashians switch things around. And some people speculate that they are constantly changing their appearance in order to stay in a place of status. Because for a while, BBLs, I believe, were so expensive and so invasive surgically that only a small percentage of people were able to afford to do it. And then they became more accessible as they became more popular. People are willing to go to all sorts of lengths to get surgery like that. And once they became more common, the Kardashians were no longer interested in them. And now they seem to be going the opposite trend. So people are starting to suspect that they're creating a new trend of thinness, much like we had in the 90s. And a lot of people are afraid of that because the thinness we had in the 90s among celebrities was really hard to achieve. I'm really drawn to things like this because that makes sense. Like I think it might have even played out in this video, which I'll link to in the show notes, which are at wellevator.com. As I mentioned, I'm going to have some resources for you. Those will all be in the transcript and at the bottom of the transcript in the show notes at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. So this girl, I think her account is at U-M- N-I-A underscore. And I'm looking at this saved to my phone, so I don't know what her name is. And there are no captions. My recollection of the main point of this woman's video is that looking like you don't care about your appearance is going to become the new trend. And that is because 
it's actually a privilege to not be able to care. And that video has been really sitting with me because I find myself all the time just not wanting to care and priding myself sometimes, like feeling a little better than, <laughs> to be honest. Like, oh, if I can just get to the point where I don't care what other people think. My gray hair was a big element of this because when my gray hair first started coming in really prevalently, it was just a few years ago, and I used to pluck it out one by one. I would Every day I'd look in the mirror, pluck out my gray hairs. And that was because I didn't want to dye my hair. I don't like dyeing my hair and it's so expensive. So I just thought, I'm just going to keep plucking it out. And then I wondered, "Mm, maybe this isn't so good to be plucking hair out. I don't know, but it wasn't coming in that fast. And then at a certain point, I just let it go. And now I have like, I have a couple pieces at the very top of my hairline that drive me nuts because they're really short. And so they kind of like spring out, stick out. And then I have like strands. They're just like almost as if they're highlights in my hair, very subtle. And I don't know if or when my entire hair, I guess at some point it'll go completely gray. I don't know how long that'll take. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm kind of curious. And this was a big shift for me because it felt like most people that I know, including my mother, dye their hair so that they don't show their grays. And I started to feel like I kept asking the question to myself, why? Why are women so concerned when it seems like men can very freely show their grays? Not all men. I have met men that are really self-conscious about their gray hair, but it seems more culturally acceptable for men to have that salt and pepper hair and then to eventually go all gray and deemed as being really attractive. Whereas it seemed rare for gray hair to look cool. Although Kim Kardashian comes up again because she has purposely dyed her hair all gray or like a shade similar to gray in the past. And I thought it looked really cool. And I found myself noticing every time a woman had not dyed her hair and just allowed it to be the natural color, I thought that looked amazing, especially all gray hair on a woman who's in her 40s or 50s or under this like, quote, old standard. I don't even know what age is socially acceptable for a woman to go gray, probably 70s, 80s. I don't know. I would rather risk men finding me attractive and women thinking I didn't look very good to them. I would rather that because I don't want to play pretend. I don't want to perform. If I perform, I want it to be a performance that is a deep, nourishing, creative act. But I don't want my personal life to be a performance. I don't want social media to be a performance. However, that in itself is a privilege because this TikTok video was saying that some people feel like they have to perform. They have to fit into the societal norms. They have to please people visually. She even pointed out how some women have the luxury and the privilege to be single because they have enough money to pay for their lives. And I thought that was really interesting. This episode is brought to you by a sponsor named Athletic Greens. And it really ties well into this conversation because their product AG1 makes it very easy to get balanced nutrition that supports your gut health, your nervous system, your energy, recovering, all of these things 
that are so important as we build our awareness, as we work on our personal growth. I know for me, it can be hard to remember to take multivitamins. <laughs> so I really appreciate something that I can turn into a drink because AG1 is a powder that you just add to water. It tastes delicious. And it has 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, probiotics. I sometimes go through phases where I'm not paying close attention to my gut. And then one day I'm like, oh, wait, <laughs> I need to adjust. I need to balance myself out so I can really support my mental clarity and my alertness. And I can do this with a small micro habit of just having this drink that tastes really good. And I love their vitamin D, which is really helpful during the time of year where you don't get a lot of sunlight. Or if you're someone like me who has done a blood test and found out you're low in vitamin D, theirs is really easy to take. You just need a drop of it and you're good to go. Because Athletic Greens is sponsoring the show, they're giving you a free one-year supply of their immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Wellevator. That's athleticgreens.com slash W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. And that'll help you take ownership over your health through picking up this ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Now back to the rest of the episode. I'm not married, so I guess I do have that privilege. I make my own money. And maybe that in itself is something really worth considering that if we do get to the point where it seems socially acceptable and trendy to have messy hair and gray hair and not seem like you care about your clothes or whatever else, the things that I naturally do may become trendy, which sounds appealing to me because then I will be socially acceptable. However, if that's associated with privilege and status, that's really concerning to me because then I almost feel like I'll be uncomfortable with that because I don't want people to perceive me as being better than them. To me, that's been the benefit of not wearing makeup or doing my hair. It's like that currently is associated with being down to earth. And it's currently associated with not trying to fit in and not trying to look like the prettiest woman in the room. There's a power right now associated with being pretty. And that goes back to this big topic. And to answer this person's question, I feel like you have to examine what pretty means to you. You've already done a great job starting with acknowledging the roots of the pressure that your mother put on you and the validation you got from your mother by wearing makeup. Perhaps validation is the connection that when you wear makeup, you feel like you can get the validation you deeply crave. When you wear certain clothes or do your hair or dye your hair, whatever it is, when you lose weight, like a lot of that is associated with approval personally and professionally. But there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's the other big key that if you want to wear makeup, if you feel more confident wearing makeup, that's not a weakness. That may be just survival. And that's to me the big point of this TikTok video is like maybe you wear makeup to survive with your mother because you still associate her with survival. Maybe you wear makeup around your friends, even if they don't wear makeup, 
because being confident feels like survival or maybe feeling confident socially helps you make it through the conversations. My awareness around introversion and neurodivergence and the struggles that people have with social anxiety has painted this whole picture, like do whatever it takes to get by. That's okay. Confidence is important because when we don't feel confident, it can feel incredibly stressful. It can wane on us. I mean, social anxiety is not just in the moment socially. It's the ripple effects that has on you beyond that social situation. You might be thinking about that night that you didn't feel confident for days, weeks, months, even years. And that's not great for your mental health. So there is so much at play here. This is not an easy thing. My relationship with makeup has changed a lot. I still wear it sometimes. I'm not anti-makeup. I understand why I wear it. And I try not to feel shame with or without makeup. That's also the big key here is makeup is a tool. Makeup is something I use with intention. And it may change over time, especially as beauty trends change. Our relationships with everything can change. My relationship with my hair could change. I might decide to dye my hair and not have gray hair at a certain point. That's okay. All of this is okay. Even my discomfort with my body is okay because it's that in itself is natural and human. So I think the answer here for the listener, for the person who messaged me on Instagram, all that's okay. It's just reflection. It's about coming down to what's important to you, to understanding your whys, to looking at the roots, to examining it and determining what's best for you right now and not being attached to that in the long run. What are your values? I would ask. For me, my value is authenticity, kindness, love, compassion, intelligence. I value those way more than appearance. I feel like society is the other way around though, for women at least. And this could be a gender issue too. I mean, women have been conditioned into placing so much importance on their appearance. Some people think that that's a power play to keep women more focused on their appearance than their intelligence. So that's where some of this rebelliousness comes in and the feminist side of things. And I think like, I would so much rather read a book and make a podcast and take care of myself than sit in front of the mirror for an hour prepping myself to look a certain way because that hour is precious to me. I value time. I value my effort. I know that I don't always have a lot of energy. So why would I spend my time and energy on something that doesn't matter to me? It matters more to other people. So I value myself and my needs. That's how I have developed more confidence. It's not fully confident, but it's more confident and it's growing confidence. It's been a journey based on what matters to me. So that would be my advice to you is to really continue down this journey of the roots of your feelings, the experiences that you've had, the way that you feel in, in these situations, the way that makeup makes you feel, and do your best to remove the judgment and the shame and the shoulds from it and go with what makes you feel your best on a deep level as much as you possibly can. And know it's a journey and that you have plenty of time to continue 
experimenting with this and noticing how you feel based on the scenarios that you're in and the actions that you take. I did mention some resources that I want to share with you. First and foremost, Jessica DeFino. She has an incredible newsletter. I actually had wished that I had sat down and like binge read her newsletters because she is so good at articulating a lot of the things that I've discussed today. So I'll link to her. I'm going to link to a bunch of books whose names I cannot remember off the top of my head, but I am going to go through my library of books that have impacted me. A lot of them are directed towards women, but if you are not a woman, if you don't identify as a woman, let's not make this a gender issue. You still can find value even if they're using gender-specific language. I hope that you will still give them a try because they make some really great points. They just might, the authors may not have been as aware or as prioritized around gender, but I don't believe this to be a strict gender issue. So I'll link to those books, I'll link to the TikTok and anything else that comes up. I'll also link to the podcast episode that inspired this whole episode because that's where I talked more about not, you know, finding the confidence to not wear makeup on camera if you are curious about that. So a lot of resources for you. And if you have more, let me know. And I can actually add them to the show notes. I would love to build upon this. If you have more questions that I can address another part of this episode, or if you have something unrelated that you'd love me to explore on this show, I'd love to hear from you, truly. So send me a direct message, send me an email, or come to my community Beyond Measure Beyond Measure was developed largely in part to the topic of this episode, which was that I wanted to create a place where I could talk to people without judgment as best as I possibly could. I wanted to create a safe place for other people to go and feel like they weren't being judged based on their appearance or their status. I wanted to honor people beyond any type of measurement of age, of money, of weight, of whatever else comes into play when it comes to measurements. That's what Beyond Measure means to me. So I developed a membership. It's private. It's protected. It's full of amazing people. It's currently free. Probably won't always be free because there are costs involved that I would like to offset. (laughs) So one day I imagine I will charge for it or I might not. I actually don't know yet. But regardless, you're welcome to join to try it out. We meet every single week. We discuss all different topics. We work on our well-being together and we connect with each other as human beings. And you don't even have to show up with your voice or video. You can just sit there and be present. You can sit there and chat with us through the comments. Like You can make it whatever you would like. So if you want to find a safe, nourishing place, come join me there. It's also a great way to just chat with me more often. So I'm going to link to Beyond Measure and everything else in the show notes at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. I'm wishing you the very best with your journey, wherever it may be right now. I hope that this has given you some direction or comfort or insight so that you can continue down this path of self-discovery. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.